Welcome to the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the netherworld of cults, crims and con artists. We don't like these people and it shows. We believe the best way to expose them is to hold them up to a harsh light, point our index fingers in their general direction and mock them mercilessly, take them down a peg or two until they cease to exist in any other form than the shit on our shoes. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill, and today we're going to take a long, hard look at the anti-lockdown protests that occurred over the weekend, especially in our two major cities, Melbourne and Sydney, and wonder why Sydney was was like a virtual no-show, while in Melbourne, violence and mayhem were absolutely on display. Yes, Joel. Melbourne it re-established itself as the pilled capital of Australia yesterday. We're going to take a look at what happened, why, and move on, asking if these protests are little more than a sideshow to the main event in this country. The Morrison government has royally screwed up supply of vaccines, and while supply may be improving now, we are still faced with a situation unlike any other anywhere in the world. Opening up, letting it rip, Living with COVID, whatever you want to call it, but with low vaccine numbers. Perhaps as little as 70, uh, 70% of adults in this country. Yeah, it's a bit fucking dire. So we're going to have a look at what will happen when we do let COVID rip in Australia, which absolutely promises to be a total shit show. Yes, we can't talk about that shit show just at the minute because we have to get this shit show underway. And the best way to get this shit show started is, always was, and always will be, with the Conditional Release Program's weekly news. And moving to a place that has a very low vaccination rate of 50%, which is uh, the skid marks of what we're going for, pandemic of the unvaccinated continues to absolutely ravage the USA, where states with low vaccination rates are facing unique challenges in keeping their citizens alive. Now, Florida, famous for the fuckwit governor Ron DeSantis, whose COVID policy has mostly consisted of let it rip, sells t-shirts that say, don't fauci my Florida, has been absolutely hammered by COVID, which almost seems like a political point of pride. Mm. With 22 million people in Florida, they've seen 41,000 deaths and they've got a 51% vaccination rate, which means herd immunity is just a fucking dream for them. It's not going to happen. Breakthrough cases, which are the cases that affect the vaccinated, are occurring in medical staff. And while their symptoms are mild, their absence is felt in ICU wards. They have to take the time off if they're infected. Mm. So they're at capacity. They've got all these COVID cases struggling to stay alive and people are having these breakthrough cases, which cause them to have to take two weeks off work. It's a fucking nightmare. David Lazerta, the manager of the ICU at Florida's largest hospital, claims a percentage of unvaccinated to vaccinated patients is 95 to 5. I mean, yeah. That's not even odds. That's I mean, just that's, a that's wipeout. The, yeah, that's, that, that is quite a gap. But that's what we're seeing pretty much around the world yeah. uh, in, in, in places where there are higher vaccination rates. It runs around that 95 to 5. It truly contradicts the data that's coming out of Israel that everyone on that side of politics is clinging to saying that vaccines don't work. Yeah, I don't know but, where they're getting their numbers from yeah, because everyone else is saying 95 are, to 5. The stats are often sort of manipulated the wrong way. But but what you're seeing is that sort of 95 to 5. What you're, what you're not really seeing a lot of data represent is what the ICU rate is because the vaccination will basically protect you from the really serious symptoms of infection, including death. Um, So those are the figures to really look at. And in ICU, and I had a look at the figures for Alberta, in the uh, Canadian province of Alberta, and they were running about 99.1. Fucking hell. I mean, like, it's just a no-brainer. That's ICU. 
Mm. So this is the wacky thing. The amount of people on oxygen in Orlando has grown to so many people. The hospitals have had to source liquid oxygen from the water utility to keep up with demand. So you've got liquid oxygen and the water utility uses it to clear up the water that's taken from the Floridian aquifer. And without this treatment, the water is discolored and smells of rotten eggs, Mm. which is lovely. So they kind of want that a little bit. And the Orlando mayor, Buddy Dyer, has asked residents to immediately stop watering their lawns, washing their cars and using pressure washers because landscape irrigation consumes approximately 40% of the water provided by the utility. Mm. So the city has stopped irrigation at parks and ball fields to reduce the demand on the system, hoping weather events, you know, some bit of rain will keep the lawns alive. Good old-fashioned hurricane. Yeah, exactly. They are famous for it. The plan for water restrictions is said to be for maybe two or three weeks, but who knows how long this thing's going to go for. And I mean, like, oxygen shortages are nothing new to the pandemic. With the deadly wave in India causing absolutely devastating shortages of oxygen, which created this sketchy black market of dodgy oxygen supplies, Mm. we've got supply issues causing preventable deaths in Bangladesh and Indonesia who don't have a water utility to call upon at a time of need. Oh, stop watering your lawns, guys. What lawns, you asshole? It's all concrete. African nations are facing awful issues here. Uganda has a domestic capacity for medical oxygen, sure, with 14 hospitals having their own oxygen generating plants. But the ability to create 3,000 cylinders per day sounds pretty good. It doesn't match the 25,000 they need. That's a big gap. Mm. And this includes oxygen for other purposes, not just COVID, but like keeping like premature babies alive yes, and other sure. conditions. It's not mm. just COVID. Like it, it's a fucking nightmare. And with only 2% of the population vaccinated in Uganda, COVID is having an absolute field day over there. But with that in mind, I still thought that telling people to stop watering their lawns in Florida because too many people on oxygen is pretty funny. <laughs> Liquid oxygen really has become a valuable commodity in a world that's been racked by a respiratory pandemic. And while this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, it is absolutely a pandemic of geography. I mean, the line between the haves and have-nots has like just never been more fucking stark. It's actually also a pandemic of politics, Joel, and, and in other failed political news, it's less than a week ago that the Taliban swept into Kabul and took the country, a country uh, they had once controlled until the dark day of September 11, 2001. And now they're back in charge. Afghanistan has a significant refugee crisis to deal with, and those Afghans who assisted Australian troops, often while wearing Australian military fatigues, have been left stranded in the country uh, with attempts to repatriate uh, many to Australia, put in a too-hard basket. Mm. Now, President Joe Biden has copped a lot of flack uh, for this. Trump managed to blame Biden, even though it was Trump who negotiated the end of US involvement in the country directly with the Taliban and without the US-backed Afghan government involved in negotiations. Oh, wow. Okay. Nice work, Donald. Trump yeah. boasted his success in 2020. He doesn't do it so much these days. <laughs> yeah. But there is plenty of blame to go around beyond those two. Biden and Trump for sure, but George W. Bush managed to get away unscathed during the week. Yeah, what's And with that? Uh, I saw quite a lot of former Prime Minister John Howard appearing on televisions to advise us that the Afghan adventurism was not the horrible failure it appeared. Uh-huh. And there's a longer story on Afghanistan, and it's called Our Longest War, which is technically true, but in a sense it was two wars, or one war broken in two. And Howard sadly faced few questions about the second phase. So let me take listeners back to, to, to July. 2005. At that time, Australia had one soldier in Afghanistan, just one. He was involved in minesweeping exercises. Like on Windows, you know, like you click and you click and you're, oh, shit, wrong box. There'd only been one uh, combat casualty to that point. Okay. Um, uh, The the objective that brought the US-led coalition together, which included Australia, had largely been met, and that was 
to ensure that Afghanistan did not become a base for the planning, preparation and execution of terrorist outrages around the world. And as Howard told Lee Sales on the ABC 7.30 this week, there were no further terrorist events planned in Afghanistan from that point on. So he was right about that. Yeah. We had sent a 1,500-strong troop contingent in 2002, and the Taliban had melted away. Al-Qaeda was on the run, even though uh, Osama bin Laden was uh, still uncaptured, still unkilled at that point. But Al-Qaeda had basically disappeared from Afghanistan by 2005. Yeah. Yeah. And that could have been the end of our involvement in that war right there. Because then in 2005, in July of 2005, the US under George W., decided that Afghanistan needed to be democratised and deployed a large troop contingent to oversee this. And further, W put the hard word on John Howard and Howard almost reluctantly sent a 150-strong special force contingent and later that year another 200 troops to Afghanistan. And they were only supposed to be there for a year. It was a very timid involvement from Australia that just basically snowballed as we moved forward. And we had virtually no objectives. There were no military objectives. We'd reached the ones that we'd that the coalition had, had basically been formed around. And then there was this mad thing to reconstruct the country, democratize it, set basically those US democracy institutions in place. And this was all driven uh <clears throat> this is all driven by some of the mad clowns that were the, the um uh, the neocon clowns that had that had basically you know filled and populated the Department of State and the Department of Defence in, yeah. in uh, George W's administration, and really that's when it went to hell. Uh, there were no military objectives anymore. The country would be rebuilt. Remember, it had been smashed by the Soviet war earlier on too. So this is a country with little infrastructure. Uh, <clears throat> the country would be rebuilt and refinanced, uh, and there'd be a push for free and fair elections. But much much of the reconstruction money ended up in the hands of the warlords. Quite a surprise. Kabul still can't provide electricity for more than 60% of its residents. You know, this is 20 years after there's been no That's real ridiculous. improvements in infrastructure. 60%. Uh, by 2005, as I said before, there'd just been one combat casualty. And 16 years later, there would be 40 more on vague objectives of democratisation. Yeah, you know. yeah. And when Bush asked how to send that second deployment in July 2005, the Labor Party supported it. And furthermore, 58% of Australians did too. Yeah, I'm not part of that 58%, by the way. And the 20% were uh, opposed and the rest undecided, Joe. Anyway, oh. we had been asked to join a, a quagmire with no measure of success, an interminable conflict that had to end at some point. And when it did, uh, precisely nothing has been seen to be achieved. Yeah. And theoretically, Afghanistan could once again be a breeding ground for terrorism so that even those meagre objectives of the 2002 to 2005 phase of the war have now been undermined. Why did Howard agree to W's request? If I'm going to look at this from a strictly objective point of view, it's about carrying favour with the US president and the US government generally, which is what Australian prime ministers do. Yeah, because it really Australian is. PMs often have to make these difficult choices in the name of the US alliance. When US asks, we basically, uh, when they seek a request, we basically say, 
Yes. How many would you like? They say uh, jump, we say how high. And this has given this country, like the United States, a real taste for unpopular wars. Yeah. But perhaps we should stop and think before we follow the Americans and their adventurism around the world. They're mm, certainly withdrawing from the world at the moment, so uh, the future looks uh, a little bit bleak, but uh, you can bet your, bet your bottom dollar that if the US says we're going into some part of the world, and we'd like your support. Australia will say yes, regardless. Of course they will. But oh. war is so expensive, and they've got no fucking money. Like, imagine the excess baggage charges on one of those giant fifty caliber machine guns. I mean, like, it's an expensive <laughs> adventure. Just don't do it. Yeah, yeah. They they don't they don't use you know the postal system to uh, to move those things around. Honestly, <laughs> I would be surprised at this point. And Joel, you'll be surprised to know that today's conditional release program is brought to you. Or to us, or to everyone, by the show's great shining star. Yes, our very own conditional release program, Stubby Holder. Oh, shit. We've been saying for months now that the conditional release program, Stubby Holder, is clinically proven to keep your beer cold up to blast furnace temperatures. Where the mercury nudges 7,000 degrees, your piss of choice will be cold and remain cold. And that's clinically proven, as I say, although the naysayers at the Therapeutic Goods Association are telling us we can no longer call it that unless we front the federal court. And frankly, who is the time? Oh, we could crowdfund the legal fees. It'd be fucking great. (laughs) Don't worry about it. You know, so much of science is about serendipitous discovery. And our research team at the Tanzanian Pons Institute in Dar es Salaam has found that if you grind your conditional release program stubby holder into a fine powder and snort it up your left nostril, you'll be immune from COVID-19 infection. If only the ex-president did that. Instead of just denying its existence. <laughs> We're continuing the research with the Delta variant, but it's looking very good at the moment. I know Craig Kelly is getting very excited as we subject the conditional release program stubby holder to stage three clinical testing. Even better, we're getting some excellent results for the conditional release program stubby holder as an inexpensive sheep dip. Inexpensive for you? It costs me money. <laughs> best news is we're giving them away and we'll give them away to anyone who asks the question on everyone's mind right now which black pill fuck we said that and today we're going for the stick rather than the carrot jar if you get any of the following three questions wrong you'll be set upon by the victoria police force and struck repeatedly with pepper bullets their brand new toy they need the target practice, and you need the sort of multiple contusions that scream, I fought for freedom on the streets. And all I have to show for it is the sort of body that looks like it's faced four overs of lightning fast bowling from Mitchell Johnson, and all you had to do to protect yourself was wave around a wet face flannel. Are you ready, Joe? Yeah, I'm ready. Fuck it, why not? Who said, and I quote, who here has small children? Don't let them watch the Disney Channel it's satanic. It's satanic. Ooh. It's satanic. Mm-hmm. They tell you what they're doing. Monsters, Inc. I'm sorry. I'm not going too much into this. They tell you what they do. It's evil. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Monsters, Inc. is evil. Satanic and evil. Who said that? Was it Cindy Shafian, publicist for Mums for America? Or should I say Moms, Moms. for America? I should say Moms for <laughs> America. Americans. Was it former, former chairman and CEO of Disney Corp, Michael Eisner? Mm. Was it creator of The Simpsons and evil genius, Matt Groening? Or was it Jerusha Duford, 
the granddaughter of the granddaddy of all the televangelists, Billy Graham. Look, I'm going to go with the granddaughter, Jerusha Duford, because oh. it sounds like the kind of indoctrinated fucking brutality that comes from someone <laughs> who's l- l- come from that lineage. Oh. I'm afraid you're wrong. Moms for America. Ah, uh, it's the mom. That was Cindy Sheffian, a publicist for Moms for America. They yeah. should have known. Disney yeah. Channel. Evil, satanic, Monsters, Inc. God only knows what's going on there, but it's wrong and bent. Someone should go to jail for it. What can you do right in that country? Like, what can you fucking do? Like, Disney. Like, you know, they find dicks in all the posters and, like, you know, everyone's a whore. Like, it's just tiring. I've seen Monsters, Inc. I saw the first one. And I can't imagine what what she means, but it'll be be something to do with pedophilia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll you, be, can yeah. Put, you can put always some money pedophilia. on that. Yeah, so that was Cindy Schaefian, publicist for Moms for America, who think God. Disney Channel is They're satanic. So boring. Question two. Oh, look, by the way, that's uh, that's a full solid round the middle of your guts there. Jarl of the, uh, the pepper bullet. Bang! I fucking welcome it. Whoa! Chicks love scars, man. Whoa! I'm into it. Let's yeah, do this. Well, you're going to bruise yeah, up. Sweet. Liz will be stoked. So that's, uh, that's one round. Here's the second question. Nancy Pelosi's insurrection crucifixion, which is all about the 6th of January, right? That's a crucifixion. I mean, okay. honest to God, they're putting good, great people, patriots, up there. Uh, for what? And that's someone suggesting that uh, anyone charged or convicted or going through a legal process initiated by the FBI in relation to the 6th of January is being nailed to the cross and crucified. What the f- Fuck is wrong with these people? All right, reel out the options. Okay, so who said that? A woman who owns her own nail gun and knows how to use it. Congresswoman for Colorado. Yeah, insane Q-pilled lunatic Marjorie Taylor Greene. Shortlisted. Shortlisted. Was it Monty Python's Michael Palin politely offering everyone a cross? Third door on the left, thank you. <laughs> good joke, good joke. The man who likes to get around the family home and sing Q-pilled songs with his unfortunate progeny, Mike Flynn. Oh, prick. Or was it the man with the tattoo of Tricky Dick Nixon on his back? And maybe, maybe, now, just maybe, a new tat of the Trump on his rump, Roger Stone. Ooh, I mean, it just feels like if I say Marjorie Taylor Greene, it's the obvious answer and I'm going to get in trouble. But I'm just going to go, I'm going to go with Roger Stone. He's weird. Bang! There's another one, Joel. Uh, <laughs> oh, that one's close to the groin, by the way. You be careful. You be it's very no careful. use to me. Don't worry about it. No, that was, in fact, Mike Flynn. Really? Suggesting oh that God, uh, people charged uh, with uh, over the insurrection of the 6th of January were, in fact, being nailed to crosses. He will do anything for attention these days. Anything yes. for fucking attention. One He's crazy, such a whore. It's one so annoying. Crazy dude. So there you Ugh. go. There's one. There's one. Ooh, yeah, that's got close to the groin there. You want to be careful. Make sure yeah. you get this one right. I just don't do as well with stick. I need carrot. I need incentives. <laughs> Maybe I get off on the pain. Question three. If Fox News came on board right now, everybody, we would have Donald Trump back in office by this fall. Mm, that's... Not how it works in the Constitution, but yep, go on. Yeah, look, if Fox News came on board and started jumping up and down, that's what we say, look, the Trumps will be back in the White House. Who said it? Was it the man who's been off the crack for two decades, but now he's shaking a little, sniffing like a madman and asking if you've got any. You got any? Yeah. Mike yeah, Lindell. 
Now, that is feeling shortlisted. Was it tediously referring to himself in the third person, a grammatical error only permitted for Australian test cricketers? Donald Trump? Yep. Talking about himself in the third person because he does that quite a lot. He and loves it. only fucking test cricketers are allowed to do it. <laughs> I did was not it? know that was the rule. A man on a descent into a personal hell so sudden and so fast it could make a Disney ride for all the family. Rudy Giuliani? A satanic Disney ride. I would believe that's a satanic Disney ride. Or was it political genius and self-made man Donald Trump Jr.? Fuck, it really could be the last one. Um, look, I feel like Lindell's... The, the pathway to a pepper bullet, but I'm going to go with it anyway. Yay! Well done. Your, your grind Finally. has been spared a bruising. Uh, yes, it was, in fact, Mike Lindell exhorting Fox News to come on board and flip the White House back to number 45. Make 45, yep. 47. Again, it's a or very reasonable proposition. I'm Look, I am believing the same thing. I just want to see the Betfair kids happy, you know? <laughs> yes, they'd it be just, very, it, very happy, wouldn't they? It so, kills me to see come myself Come on, Fox News, come on. Come on, do it for the winnings. Now, we ask listeners to send us an email if they've come across something really, really stupid said by Black Bill Fuckwits. We want your input, listeners. If you've recently come across something posted that is so odd, so bizarre, that it can only be appreciated by the criminally stupid, drop us a line. We'll send you a stubby holder and whatever I've got on my desk, some stickers and shit. If you make our lives easier and send Jack a quote we can use on the show. Yeah, the conditional release program stubby holder is the only stubby holder clinically proven to keep drinks cold. And quite frankly, the TGA can go and get fucked with their threats. Conditional release program stubby holder used in conjunction with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine may... And zinc and vitamin D and vitamin B and a stick of celery. You can't forget those or it doesn't work. Yeah, not may, not may. I'm sick of this unqualified language, Joel. I'm going to come out and say it. The conditional release program stubby holder will keep you protected from COVID-19 infection and SIB, sudden irreversible beer warming. Fair, fair. Fair. So if yep. you want to keep your piss cold while you're at a sparsely attended protest rally, knocking back a few icy cold cans to the nectar of the gods, Victor Bravo, the Green Demons, drop us a line. Mark to the attention of Jack at our email address, the conditional release program at gmail.com. <laughs> And to kick off our anti-vax update this week, we start, as we always do, with the stats. And the stats as of the 22nd of August 2021 are that 32.3% of the world's population has received at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine and 243 is fully vaccinated. Those numbers are not getting ahead, you know, they're not moving on all that much. They're nudging. For global figures uh, of 4.91 billion doses have been administered globally and 34.96 million are now administered each day. Two weeks ago, it was 40 million. Mm. Anyway, only 1.4% of people in low-income countries have received at least once one dose. Joel, you mentioned Uganda before, Tanzania is Barely got anyone vaccinated. Yeah. And a lot of countries in Africa, South America, in the developing world, in Asia are really battling. 
In Australia, we have uh, 23.9% of the total population fully vaxxed with another 18% having received a single dose. So we're we're nudging uh, 42% in total. Uh, We're not doing these figures by adult population because children from 12 at least will need to be vaccinated. And there's talk about that. And we've been pretty bloody slow to acknowledge that. So we need to start talking about total population. Anyway, and therein lies a huge problem for this country and specifically for New South Wales uh, because we have we have a COVID uh, outbreak that is beyond the control of this government, and we are essentially living with COVID, whether we like it or not, with all the indignities of lockdown to go with it, and very low vaccination rates. And it's hard to see anything else other than misery arising from that dismal set of stats. Uh, and uh, that the, that nectar of the gods, Ivermectin, that nectar of Craig Kelly, girl. He loves it, doesn't he? Ivermectin. It's taken a bit of a knock this week. Yep, it has had a wild month with people flocking to the treatment despite a large-scale study showing it to be completely useless. Bit of a setback, but still up and going. Ivermectin has shot into the spotlight over the past year or so as an alternative treatment for COVID. You're probably aware of it, but if you're not, if it was successful, it would replace the experimental vaccine that's going to kill us all. You know, the, the depopulation the program. experimental genetic it's, vaccine, Joe. The reason why Ivermectin is being touted as a cure for COVID is actually our fault. Um, Monash University conducted a study which saw Ivermectin kill COVID-19 within 48 hours in a cell culture, which is like, you know, a little Petri dish. And that's where all this bullshit fucking mm. started. Poor bastards at Monash must feel real dumb. Well, yes. I mean, lots of things kill SARS-CoV-2, Joe. Yeah, I mean, bleach. alcohol kills it. <laughs> And leaving yeah. out in the sun will kill it. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, if you throw a fucking shitload of fucking sheep dip at it, that's probably going to kill it too. And kill you too in the fucking yeah, process. I mean, that, there's your problem. Yeah. I love drinking in the sun too. So honestly, if COVID nineteen was an excuse to drink in the sun, I'm well. I'm, yeah, tr- try drink. Try drinking give me that delta. You know, ethyl alcohol, for example, for the day. You know. Well, I mean, Half a dozen stubbies of ethyl alcohol. Seems see, a bit harsh. And see, and see what you know I, if you if you're lucky enough to make it to the poisons ward of your local hospital. I feel like that's going to be like what I drank too much Jack Daniels when I was like you know sort of seventeen similar, and like puked similar. everywhere on the mm. on the L ninety. So while Ivermectin has struggled to establish efficacy outside of a few quack doctors and anti-vax cultists, it has been much more effective in convincing people, mostly idiots, that it works. <laughs> I mean, we've got Craig Kelly basically destroying his political career for the sake of ivermectin that was a bad bet yeah. even though you're going to get pre-selected out anyway you may as well go on gracefully and then you got joe rogan suggesting that ivermectin is effective joe rogan's big on ivermectin hmm. god he's annoying and he's you know he basically said out like if this works it then the, then the vaccine is useless yeah millions of listeners I'm and then he goes oh i'm an idiot don't employed. listen to me like, no. yeah, don't listen to him. Like, honestly, listeners, please don't listen to Joe Rogan. He's a fucking <laughs> moron and he accept, gets shitheads on his show. Do not accept pharmacological advice from Joe Rogan. He's such a cunt. And, of course, every dobrain anti-vaxxer on the internet who claim that it has a 99% cure rate or whatever they just made up on the spot. Mm. But, of course, this is all just bullshit. Pull, you know, it's pushed by the death cult, which would literally rather die than admit the vaccine works. Like, you know, this is the thing with Del Bigtree with his bleeding ass who refused to get the blood transfusion yeah, from vaccinated yeah. blood. He was on the door of death. Mm. This is how the story bleeding, goes. Bleeding horrifically from his ass at the Refusing time. to get, like, vaccinated blood. Like, you were going to die, you fucking moron. So the main push behind this drug, that is the active ingredient in sheep drench, by the way, which is a formula to deal our sheep, mm. is Pierre Corey of the FLCCC, the Frontline COVID Critical Care 
Alliance. These, oh, these, that these sounds legitimate. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. These these guys are definitely not an anti-vax astroturf organization clearly designed to confuse people away from vaccines and toward ridiculous alternative cures to COVID. No, no, totally legit. And while Dr. Corey thinks treating COVID-19 with animal de-louser is a good idea, most doctors don't. And they're not prescribing it for people for either prophylaxis, which is preventative treatment, or an active treatment for COVID-19 for those infected. Surprise, surprise, it's because it doesn't fucking work. So instead of seeing this as a sign they shouldn't take it, idiots think this is clearly proof of a conspiracy to censor the treatment, and they're seeking veterinary alternatives to cure COVID and buying ivermectin tablets and pastes and sheep drench from sketchy websites online. Not only are people selling it, but grifter outfits are using this cult-like hysteria to raise money through donations to help prove ivermectin works. Mm. This is the Bird Alliance in Britain. These people are so desperate to be right that they'll just hand over money to these random people that call themselves doctors, you know, to just own the libs, you know. <laughs> take that left We're going to prove ivermectin works and you'll be wrong. And then at Christmas, you'll have to listen to me and all my conspiracy theories. You're not going to be invited to Christmas and you're still going to be wrong. The US FDA recently tweeted, you are not a horse. You are not a cow. Seriously, y'all, stop it. That's where we're at now. This is where the discourse has taken us. Look, I'm just going to ask. I'm just going to come out and ask it, Joel. Is the FDA? Are the people opposed to ivermectin? Are they just nitpicking? <laughs> they can't pick nits. They've got none. Oh, that's right. It's a de-louser. It is. That's a very good joke. I like where you went with that. That was very cheeky. I'm not listening. I'm like nitpicking. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> this is the comedy you guys pay for. You, you know, this is this is a good yeah. shit. Yeah. As good as it gets. In a place that elected their dictator president on the basis that he would own the libs in Brazil, Vitamedic, a medical firm that makes ivermectin over there, has seen sales of the drug go from 15.7 Brazilian reals or 4 million Australian dollars in 2019 to 470 million reals or 122 million Australian dollars in 2021. Partially, thanks to that fucking idiot Jair Bolsonaro who advocates ivermectin as a treatment for COVID. Of course he does. He fucking loves Trump. He's big on right. He's ticking all the boxes. Yeah, yeah. He, he probably likes bloody, you know, OAN and all that sort of stuff. Despite the mm. record sales of ivermectin in Brazil, though, they have seen 574,243 deaths at a rate of 3% of the infected <laughs> dying from COVID. God, so, God only knows how much worse it might have been. Without him, oh, I mean. you can only imagine. It really, really puts a bit of a thing on that whole ninety-nine point nine nine seven survival rate they keep talking about. Anyway, look, let's not dwell on numbers. No. So far from Brazil in anti-vaxxer paradise, in an area with a strong population of complete fucking morons, Mississippi has seen an increase in calls to their poison control center due to fucking idiots taking ivermectin products made for animals. What's got four eyes that can't see, Joe? Oh, God, what? The state of Mississippi. There you go. <laughs> Look, you are on fire today, mate. You, you're basically Norm MacDonald with a deeper voice. Very well done. <laughs> so Mississippi's being absolutely ravaged by COVID. I mean, like, you know, they're probably dying of bad humour as well. With record cases and hospitalisations that are seeing ICU spots at near capacity, which is a bit of a familiar story for fucking everyone at this point. With the second lowest vaccination rate in the country, it's not really a surprise that this is happening. But, hey, let's take some fucking horse de-louser and see what happens. <laughs> I saw a video about it on YouTube. Like, yeah. what could possibly go wrong? So here's a quote that I got sent on Facebook. Quote, mate had a sore throat for a week. 20 mil sheep drench in a glass of full fat milk. Felt fine after four hours. 
old farmer's trick. Been around for years. Yeah. That's a Just lot of sheep drench. Fucking hell. In a of full fat milk. That's fucking embarrassing. Thanks to, to Kate for that <laughs> nugget of wisdom. That was a really good screenshot. I really I mean, enjoyed I'm, that. I mean, what, what, what if you wanted to go? What if you wanted to go for a, for a skinny? If you wanted a, a fat-free milk version. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, and you need no? the calories okay. in there to mix it up. No, no. Yeah, got to be yeah, full-fat milk with it's your chemistry. With your oh, <sighs> look, don't fuck with the formula. It's an old farmer's trick. Been around for years, mate. Been around years. for years, yeah. yeah. God, years. I can't believe this is just so pathetic. So despite all the efforts for people to show ivermectin simply doesn't fucking work, you know, people in lab coats, they just don't fucking listen. So... <laughs> Someone had to conduct a trial, of course, mm. finally proving to the idiots that their political distraction away from the vaccine does not fucking work. Mm-hmm. So the trial, the inevitable trial, was supervised at McMaster University in Canada. I'm sure people go there. I've never heard of it. And conducted in Brazil, which included, which involved 1,500 patients and showed absolutely fuck nothing in the way of treatment. Just nothing. It's shit. Edward Mills, a researcher involved in the trial, said... Quote, we do not see the treatment benefit that a lot of the advocates believe should have been, mm. which kind of cements the fact they only had to conduct this dumb, expensive trial in response to misinformation on the internet. I mean, there's no other reason why they need to do it. It's just like a similar situation was the huge study to finally close the link between MMR vaccines and autism. In 2013, the Statum Serum Institute, once again, I'm sure they exist, whatever, tracked 657,461 children to see if the MMR vaccine increased the risk of developing autism spectrum disorder with the jab. And to nobody's surprise, it fucking doesn't. Does not. We all knew it was made up by Andrew Wakefield to make money. And mm-hmm. despite him being completely discredited, all these studies being thrown in the fucking bin, scientists still had to just conduct a fucking huge expensive study to prove it wrong. And of course, this worked. This is the best part. It totally worked, was worth the money, because after this study was conducted, anti-vaxxers gracefully accepted that Wakefield's findings were wrong and they stopped claiming a link between vaccines and autism, which mm-hmm. really, really... Are you um, fucking uh, kidding? Of course they fucking did it. No, they no, love no, Wakefield. No, they no, totally yeah. think he's legit. It's still a thing. It's, it's still, still a, a thing. fucking thing. And the thing is, like, this is what, like, the thing with the MMR ASD study, it didn't show us what we knew all along, that the MMR jab doesn't cause autism. What it really showed us is you can never convince these fucking morons they're wrong, even with extensive scientific study. Yeah. They will literally die on this hill. This is what their like their lives mean. They're in a fucking cult, a death cult, no less. So learning nothing from this expensive lesson, McMaster went ahead with the study. And while anti-vaxxers have been calling for a wide-scale study to be conducted on ivermectin, they only want a study that says what they want to hear, like the Elgazar one that was discredited by being completely fucking made up and plagiarized. I mean, they just want ones say that it conclusively works at about 90% of efficacy. So they had a petition to the Australian government recently, had almost 100,000 signatures, probably mostly bots, demanding Australia study ivermectin for TGA approval. But they don't want a study... They just want to be right, especially Craig Kelly, who just destroyed his life over ivermectin. And this is clearly reflected in the comments from Mills around the study they conducted. And this is a quote, I have had enough abuse and so have the other clinical trialists doing ivermectin. Others working in this area have been threatened. Their families have been threatened. They've been defamed. 
I can think of no circumstances in the past where this kind of abuse has occurred to clinical clinical trialists. Mm-hmm. We need to figure out a system where we have each other's backs on these issues because the abuse that certain individuals have received is shocking. Like what the fuck? And this is the thing with anti-vaxxers. They're violent. They're liars. They're stupid. They're malignant. They're pathologically awful. And this completely reflects their attitude towards studies on ivermectin. If you actually study ivermectin and it comes up with no clinical result, then you need to die. Otherwise, you're a hero. Good versus evil. These fucking people are morons. Yes, asked whether he expected further criticism from ivermectin advocates. He said it was all but inevitable. The advocacy groups have set themselves up to be able to critique any clinical trial. They've already determined that any valid, well-designed clinical trial was set up to fail. They've already got the rationalisation in place. Oh, you can see them do it all the time. And one aspect of the trial, which is clearly going to fuel anti-vax scepticism, I saw this, is that it's partly sponsored by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. I really wish it wasn't. You, you can just picture the comment section in your head, can't you? I, mean, I hope so. Yeah. It's like, as, and they'll just slip see the George Soros there. in there, you know? Mm. Oh, yeah. I, I saw that on the website and I'm like, oh, for fuck's yeah. sake. Of it's course just, it is. It's an unfortunate thing. Good on the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, by the way, for, for partly funding uh, totally. this, this job. But yeah, you, you know that's where that. Oh, yeah, well, that's uh, Bill Gates. Of course he'd say that, you know. Yeah, fucking moron. So, like, you just can't pander to these idiots because they are so set in their ways, and we've seen this. We've absolutely seen this. It's irrefutable. There's just no point in engaging. Once you play their game, you immediately lose. And in other anti-vaccine news, and I'd like to thank Kate for the heads up on this one, apparently there is irrefutable proof, irrefutable (laughs) proof, absolute proof. proof that the current Prime Minister of Australia, Scott Morrison, was convicted of child sex offences in 1991. Oh, bombshell. Exclusive. Huge. This is what the Pill community has come to believe. The shock revelation that has taken Telegram by storm, it was revealed that on August 2, 1991, Scott Morrison was convicted of one count of third-degree child molestation. The conviction should be a bit of a clue uh, because <laughs> we don't have first, second, third, etc. degrees in Australia. Oh, good so this point, conviction good actually occurred in the United States, which should have been a bit of a red light to these people. Don't expect them to get legal nuance. But instead, they, you know, they, they fell for it because, you know, your pill people and your Q-types have always thought ScoMo, like, because he's a world leader, he must be a kiddie fiddler, right? Oh, they've got to be. They all are. They all are. Yeah, something, something Freemasons, you know, something, something pedo. You know the drill by now. Mm. Of course, Karen this Brewer. Scott Morrison is Scott H. Morrison of Washington State, United States of America. Our ScoMo is Scott J. Morrison. Close, but no, not quite there. What I was man? amazed to see how close the middle initial was when I looked it up. I was like, ooh, spicy. Uh, that's like, that's close in the alphabet, man. That's that's real look, close. It's unsurprising that in the absolute mangrove of misinformation idiocy that this would fly for a few people. But thankfully, most people kicked back on it. Yeah, that was Noticing great. the casual 16,000 kilometre distance from Scott H. Morrison and our ScoMo, a few suggested it might be true, but they always qualified it with, oh, but we know he was a pedo anyway. Almost there, guys. You almost actually had it. Finding it in you to denounce baseless accusations of pedophilia. Yeah. Not quite. Not quite. And now, very exciting news on the Conditional Release Program. We have a new segment. It's a segment, Joel, 
called Famous Last Words. That's right, Jack. It's a new segment of the podcast called Famous Last Words, a segment devoted to people openly encouraging very bad things and then being slightly surprised when they arrive. Oh, <laughs> can what I just, were you thinking? Can I just interrupt you there, Joel? I saw a protester, uh, one of the Melbourne protesters, actually, around Flinders Street Station, and he saw a police officer lower his pepper gun and fire around at him. And he must have missed because he goes, what was that? What was that? He'd never seen it. He thought it was, he thought he was a sort of one of these paintball parties. And uh, <laughs> he goes, what, what, what is this? What, what, what is he? He goes, and then he said, do it again. Do it again, <laughs> mate. And so the police officer dutifully fired and hit him flat in the chest. And all you can hear on the clip after that is, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, he kindly obliged. I mean, he did ask for yeah, it. Yeah. They, do it again. Yeah. Do it they again. are famous last words. Not they perhaps really, famous really last words, but you know he's still around. But uh, oh no, this this segment is famous last words in the in the meaning of just general. Yeah, you don't have although, to die. You don't no. have to die. We don't want although, people, we don't want people to die. Of course. Although this week they did die, so that's yeah. unfortunate because yeah. we're going to be looking at the rolling tally of unvaccinated people. In this case, our American cousins whose last words were a plea to vaccinate, and there's so fucking many of these at the moment. But what we're going to do is this time we're going to focus on the church. So yeah. looking down the barrel of death is one of life's most confronting moments. I mean, some don't really get a chance to think, being snuffed out without a moment's notice. Others dwell on the specter of death for some time, contemplating what is or isn't on the other side but there is nothing fucking worse than the horrific death suffered by a covid denier gasping for air knowing they could have prevented the entire fucking thing by getting a free vaccine that was abundantly available and practically thrown at them by a government attempting to save its population from an early and expensive death so a regular feature in this segment is going to be members of the clergy who have found themselves completely peeled on marga hysteria which touts the vaccine as the mark of the beast. They literally say that a lot, that it's a mark of the beast. Mark of the beast. Don't get it. I just don't get it. It's fucking ridiculous. So we have a pastor from North Texas, Danny Reeves, who is in critical condition with COVID and has since been telling anyone who will listen to get vaccinated. Coming close to death, Reeves said, quote, I didn't mean to be cavalier. I didn't mean to be overconfident. Uh, but there's a lot of people just like me that haven't got the vaccine. Yeah, they're dying, fucking idiot. <laughs> I've been taught a lesson and I'm big enough... I'm humble enough to say I was wrong. Yes, yes. Well, that's good. That is well, good. Yeah, that's a start. So he also claimed that his recovery was aided by his faith, his church community, yeah. and his medical team. Now, mm. do you notice his medical team were last on that list? <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, he didn't yeah. say that first. He didn't lead with medical team. Yeah. They were the runners-up in this I'm fucking say without speech. them, he'd be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, but no, but no, he had the power of prayer, don't worry. Well, unfortunately, the power of prayer doesn't have a blanket effect because, unfortunately, fellow Texan pastor Daryl Boone, the power of prayer just didn't quite cut it. Uh-oh. Now, he refused the jab and he lost his life to COVID-19. Uh-oh. I'm not making light of this. It's actually kind of fucking sad. So before he died, he wrote on Facebook, please keep us both, him and his wife, in your prayers, that God will grant us a complete and full recovery. Now, that God go. did not grant him <laughs> that full recovery. Uh, unfortunately, he succumbed to the virus and died. Mm. So the power of prayer didn't quite cut it for him, and there it goes. His wife, Lizetta, was still in hospital at time of recording. She was also unvaccinated. In Galveston County, where they come from, they have a vaccination rate of 38%. 
which they weren't a part of. Down in Florida, well, across in Florida, which is being absolutely ravaged by COVID, six members of one church, all unvaccinated, died within a two-week period and Four of them were under 35. So George Davis, the pastor of the church, has hosted a vaccination clinic twice now and he's urging the public to get vaccinated. And hopefully this message gets through because people listen to pastors of church for some fucking reason and maybe a few lives might be saved. I managed to get 800 people through the door on his last vaccination drive. That is decent. Mm. COVID is tearing through this bizarre state of America and, I mean, I don't know when it's going to stop. So, look... I'm just going to say right now, this segment isn't about thumbing our nose at the unvaccinated. There's this huge us versus them divide between the vaccinated and unvaccinated right now. And this isn't about this moral high ground. It's just simply to show how fucking sad yes. this whole political nightmare has become. I mean, if you told me a few years ago, the next point of political division was going to be based on being vaccinated during a pandemic, I would have hardly believed you. And despite all the MAGA bullshit that's happened and all the general dumb fuckery of society, I never thought that people were this fucking stupid. Like, Telegram didn't really exist back then, and God, I wish it didn't. But here they are. And as they die from what is now considered a preventable disease, we will bring you their last words, we will bring you people's unfortunate goading of death just to show you the effect of vaccine missing information on the poor poor fools that chose to believe it all the way to the grave which is like honestly it is a real fucking shame it is indeed joel and now it's time to get the shovels out and get stuck into our deeper dive the protests happened in melbourne and sydney and all over australia and it all blew up and we were going well, to look, and we're going to have a good look at it some blew up more than others some blew up a lot more than others <laughs> And Australia was beset with rallies around the country that came down to a tale of two cities, Joel, Melbourne and Sydney. And in one, it was the best of times, and in the other, it was the blurst of times. It really was. There was a third one in Brisbane, which was boringly peaceful, so we're not going to talk about that. Oh, God. A handful Um, of people came out, and they were all very Tell me what happened in the Sydney Sydney end. Well, look, I can say with great confidence that I followed the wrong protest on Saturday because the Sydney one was really boring. I, I chose to spend my afternoon with the awkward dweeb known as Chris Goveries, who spent his time hassling people who were exercising with questions about the weather, which is just like Victor Taylor level embarrassing, and repeatedly claiming that milk was delicious and nutritious and good for pepper spray. Like, he's just, he's so creepy. But he does provide a service. I watched a few people get arrested, <laughs> a few like funny soft-sit appeals to natural justice and the fact that, you know, the directions aren't law and blah, 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 mm. and really not much else. I do love the fact that these guys always are in the confronted with like can you show me your id they say no and they, then they get arrested and they go what's happening like <laughs> you know exactly what's happening you've just you've, you've been through this before so protesters were foiled by a comprehensive police response which you probably all heard of which saw roadblocks on major highways public transport checkpoints and a suspension of taxis and rideshare services in the area and a shitload of cops at both victoria park but also hyde park had a huge police presence i guess just in case people went there just in case yeah this time the cops were not fucking around we saw last time total kid gloves whereas this time you've got the proper wallopers in the black pajamas who were out 
to really use like non-lethal force, which is the kind of stuff that really ruins your week. So mm. on a Telegram group, almost certainly being monitored by police, you know, like they and they knew it too. They were constantly saying, well, we need to go somewhere more secure. I mean, like, where are you going to Who go? Who snitched the agony on the New South Wales police? <laughs> I mean, honestly, like it was so clear. People were exchanging ideas of how to get into the city, which was actually quite in- ingenious. They had some really good ideas. People said they used work as an excuse and that did get them through some checkpoints, but it Apparently, the King Street Newtown checkpoint asked more questions than others, and people got sort of forward. They say, um, if work, what work? Show me your papers, that sort of thing. Yeah. Don't send me. <laughs> they fumbled. They fumbled through it. You know, but- do you know Jim? You know Jim? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perfect. That, that is a very good Ricky style of dealing with cops. That <laughs> you know, was Jim, Ricky, wasn't you? it? Yeah. It was Ricky, yeah. Casual yeah. trailer pathways reference there. So some claimed to be attending real estate inspections, which was pretty clever, except they posted the real estate inspection on the Telegram group so they knew which one to like Don't. watch out for. And some booked doctor's appointments in the city, which is quite smart because you can book doctor's appointments online. And you know you can just say, look, medical blah, blah. And everyone's like, oh yeah, no worries. Mm, yeah, People also discussed alternative routes to the protest and they'd post yeah. dash cam footage of these open roads that led to Victoria Park, giving people an idea of where to go. And they always, they were using Waze, the GPS service, which has all the police indicators on it to, to work around it. So there were ways to get in. But at the end of the day, despite the fact that you got through the ring of steel, if you got there, you were met with a $5,000 fine and often arrested for not providing the details. This is that classic thing they do. Wow. You know, they say, oh, show me your ID. And they go, oh, I don't need to do that. And then they get arrested because that sobsit move has never, ever worked. <laughs> ever. It's a law. It's not a directive. And you can't do that. According to New South Wales Police, 38,000 vehicles were checked at 14 traffic stations. in this ring of steel around Sydney, which is fucking crazy. But what basically happened was that even people who got through the ring of steel would just wander baselessly around back streets, hoping to Mm. avoid cops in the meantime, kind of realising things weren't going well and occasionally being approached by police and told to fuck off. Those who did attempt to uh, enter Victoria Park were Mm. basically questioned by police in a sort of passive-aggressive way and then fine. Some of them were arrested for not providing their details, but I think that was actually a minority of the crowd really. A lot of them just went, okay, fair enough. It was an incredibly expensive day out for the few wow. who did decide to go in with 261 fines and 47 arrests on the day, which is actually a massive percentage of the crowd that made it in because there weren't that many people there. It really weren't. 250 being reported well, in the media. I mean, 260 fines means that 250 can't be what it was. I would say a 1,000 people went. I would say 500 attempted to make a presence. And I would say around the 261 is, you know, is, is the fine. Long way shy of the 15,000. 15? Mate. 15, no, from 15,000 from the original. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. That was a huge ago, showing. Which, um, yeah, I mean, that was really the test of this. Yeah. So had the police uh, not been as uh, uh, brutal with the lockdown or their ring of steel. Yeah, that's what changed it. Yeah, that, 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 that has And also the, the threat of a $5,000 fine. You couldn't make fine. any other comparison around it, could you, really? Yeah, I mean, you've got vocal people who are saying you don't have to pay fines because they fall apart in court because of public health directions and blah, 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 and all this sobsit bullshit. But only a small fraction of people believe that. Most people stayed home. So those who did attempt to protest on the day were boosted by this heavy sense of camaraderie and mateship on Telegram, which I've been following all week. It's chewed up my spare time constantly checking the protest telegram groups and seeing how they're feeling. And they were so enthusiastic. People were dropping flyers, People were out just like really spruiking this bickering. event. A lot of bickering, though. There's a little <laughs> bit of bickering, yeah. Well, there was a lot of bickering from what I saw. It's pretty yeah. funny. But people were claiming that 100,000, if not 200,000 people were going to turn up at 12 p.m. 
and absolutely flood the cops of Victoria Park. This was fucked up because this was clearly bullshit. And those who believed it are basically just like sheep going into slaughter. So they're going to pay very dearly for trusting this bullshit line that the protest organisers and all the fuckwits on Telegram were putting into the hype train leading up to the event. And they just wanted it to be true. But they always say 100,000. They always say a million. They always say ridiculous numbers. And it hurts people. I mean, this is, and it leads to that, you know, the sort of the political nonsense too, because they actually think that 15,000 people on the street might somehow represent some sort of electoral success. If, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, it really elect- doesn't. Each, each federal electorate has a hundred odd thousand voters in it, you know. We had a hundred thousand people turn up for the Iraq war march and our government couldn't give a fuck. That, those numbers are big numbers. <laughs> they went straight to Iraq, didn't even stop over in Doha. Well, like, that's that's just Howard peering out the window and going, well, these people don't vote for us anyway. So, yeah, that's so, exactly it. Why do we care? And that being said, of course, that is the thing yeah. we were talking about last week and we may even touch on today, which mm. is that the Liberals will be looking out the window and seeing these people and thinking, they might vote for us, which makes them a unique political presence. Yep. But in a situation like this, they are still a sliver of the population. If you look mm-hmm. at a comment section they can't moderate, you will notice they are in the fucking vast minority. And oh. most people, for better or worse, are claiming we should basically shoot protesters. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if I agree that, with that. That is a bit, that is a bit awful. But you, you have to they, – they seem to have no idea either how richly they are despised yeah, in, they in the really rest are. of the community. They are one of the, some of the most hated people in Sydney. I, I checked up some of the, um, you know, some of the arrests and so forth and, and uh, it, on Twitter and, and people just coming in with a comment, good, you know, yeah, lock them up. It. Yeah, lock them up, like forever. <laughs> It's it's a bit it's a bit much. I, it I is feel a bit like much. it's a little over the top. A lot of these people are just going through a phase. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll get over it. And they'll move on to something else, like I don't know, CrossFit or something soon. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So, in this desperate attempt to create a crowd and proceed with a march, protesters organised on Telegram in the secret, shady, encrypted space. Not really. They just set <laughs> the, it on the, the, the thing. police. Cannot crack and cannot look at, you know. Yeah, well, I mean? they were, you know, they were casually watching this <laughs> one to meet at Broadway yeah. Shopping Center and move from there. And they actually did, like, this is a valiant effort considering the circumstances. They managed to get about a hundred people, maybe, and they yeah. got them to walk down Broadway well, chanting freedom, freedom, and, <laughs> and they did, and they were like, freedom, freedom. Fre- uh, oh, okay. That's all we've got. It was like 30 seconds tops. Oh, and that's they, sad. If you know the street, uh, they made it about to Mountain Street down to like the sort of Broadway crown. I don't know if you guys know Broadway as well as I do, but that's generally about as far as they made it down, about 200 meters from where they started. But then they just got kettled back up to Victoria Park, <laughs> systematically fined thousands of dollars each. <laughs> Sorry. Shouldn't be laughing. Freedom is not are, free. Those fines are crazy. Like five, 5,000. It's you know, so much money. Yeah, 5000 a pop, basically. It is so much money. There was one guy who was being carted off into the mobile, um, the mounted unit, uh, like, you know, not the mounted unit, the uh, the, the portable police uh, station. Yeah. And basically, he claimed he was homeless, but he had a sign saying anal, not vaccines. I oh. don't really even know what that means. Yeah, I mean, I'm like not anal sure sex? Either. Is this what he's going for? Uh, I'm I'm really hoping they don't charge him because I think he may get off on the, the get out of jail free mental health card. I'm totally okay with that. So there was one cop injured, you know, like it, you oh. know, someone had a go on Mountain Street, uh, and a 32 year old man from Five Dock was arrested for his troubles. Mm-hmm. He's been charged with five offences and refused bail, Oops. which is never a good sign. It basically says you're going to go on a holiday really bad. That's happening today. I 
I'm not sure if he'll get sentenced today or whether he's just going to, you know, plead not guilty and, you know, call up Nathan Buckley or AFL solicitors to try and have a bash at uh, getting his sentence down. It's not going to work. Plead out, champ. Plead out. So, suspiciously missing from footage were the planners of the event. Oh, where were you? Yeah, the big the names. A- where oh, were they? Just were not there. The ABC quoted from the Telegram group that I was following, which is, where are our leaders, question mark, until infinity, where the mm. fuck are people who promised to lead it? Mm. Where were they? Not great grammar. Did they squib it, Joe? They did. They fucking bout. So where was Romeo <laughs> George's? Where was Joel Jamal? You know, Anthony Kalouf had a pretty good excuse because he's yeah, in jail. Just be crying. He's a weepy. He's not even meant to be in New South Wales. Fucking idiot. But the rest of them just didn't bother to show up because they knew they were outgunned. Smoke and Joe was on bail, so he didn't turn up because he'd be arrested immediately and go straight into remand. Mm. They knew the protest was going to burn out. They knew all the hype they were drumming out on their keyboards was completely hot air, and they knew that people who actually braved the journey we're going to get really steep fines their soft bullshit doesn't fucking fix so they stayed home of course they fucking did so mm, once they, in other words they squibbed it they fucking know? squibbed it really hard <laughs> and once everyone realized victoria park was a complete bust the plans changed Parramatta, go to Parramatta immediately. 2 p.m., yeah. Parramatta, Parramatta, Parramatta. Telegram was lit up with people claiming to be heading into one of the worst places to see this right now. It's an LGA of concern. Like, I mean, that yeah. is just basically saying, please kick my head in. Like, they're going to this second <laughs> protest, but it's in a spot that you're not meant to be no. in or leave. So, and you'll be required to isolate. Oh, yeah, what's the chance once of that you, Once happening? you move into you know, an LGA without an excuse, that's what you're required to do. Yeah, yeah, 14 days. They're 14 not gonna do days, it. I'm sure. They're not going to do it. Yeah, I'm sure they'll all do that. Of course Uh, the cops are going to check on them too. So reading of the chats, you would have thought the protest was well underway. Everyone was going on about, oh, I'm going there, man. I'm going, fuck you, man. I'm so keen, Parramatta. Let's fucking do this. Nothing. People show video of the area, empty park, with some guy going, where the fuck is everyone? And a few cops like playing on their phone. And the thing is, where is everyone? (laughs) They're at home. The plan is to betray you. Everyone's just gone home with or without a $5,000 fine because Saturday was a fucking bust. And let's face it, New South Wales police won. This is this is no way to freedom. <laughs> this is just no way to freedom. Ah, uh, look, that was Sydney, Joe. Thanks for that. And in Melbourne, the cops had a win too, but with a lot more confrontation. Now, it, it really does speak a lot about the differences between the two police forces. Uh, the Victoria Police, I mean... They were there in number, of course, in the Melbourne CBD uh, and came up a crowd estimate around 4,000. Oh, really? Uh, Four. <laughs> yeah, about 4,000. And yeah. uh, you'd, have, you'd have to say the police won on a technical knockout. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but there were a number of rounds, so they, so they probably the uh, the the crowd uh, probably went down in the second. Yes, Vic uh, Paul Chief Commissioner Shane Patton, who was very angry boy last night, uh, he he put the figure at four thousand, called them diehards. Yeah, uh, Phil diehards who defied Chief Health Officer directions to rally against Victoria's lockdown. The furious copper said it was probably one of the most violent protests we've seen in nearly twenty years. Ooh. That's a big save. That is astonishing. I could not be more angry, he said, about the conduct of those protesters. This wasn't a freedom protest. This was about criminality. So do you think that means there's going to be follow-up arrests on this one? 
Bit of an operation seasoned? Oh, absolutely. Well, nine police officers were rushed to hospital. Oof. And more than 200 people uh, were arrested during the violent event in Melbourne. 200? 200 arrests, only a small Not charges, number. Yeah. And this is one of the this is one of their little tropes, their little, their little stunts that they'll talk about families being there, pregnant, women, little kids, Human you know, shields. all this sort of stuff. Uh, only a small number. I did see some. I did see some idiot fathers walking around with their kids on their shoulders. What the fuck do you expect is going to happen? What's essentially a riot zone. Yeah, you don't take kids into a war <laughs> zone, you idiot. Patton's sort of Scott status. So the vast majority were men aged 25 to 40, and yep. my, looking at the, my look at the footage certainly would conf- confirm that. Yep. Angry angry men. And These Smith. people, he said, came along with an intention to be confrontational and to engage in criminal behaviour. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. Uh, he said flares... Glass bottles and even marbles were thrown at police officers and horses. What's with Melbourne and flares? Like, why do they always have flares? Like, uh, prob- soccer fans, I'm gathering. Yeah, yeah that's, but yeah. where do they get them from? Anyway, uh, they're not even on a fucking harbour. Like, the only reason you have flares is a boat, and you don't have boats. You can, gee, I think most army disposal places have them. Anyway, so. uh, we don't want to encourage the supply of these things. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we'll get done for incitement. <laughs> <laughs> Patton said flares, we saw the flares, glass bottles and even marbles were thrown at police officers and horses. said one police officer was assaulted, pushed against a wall, repeatedly punched oh, and, fuck. and potentially kicked. Nine police officers were taken to hospital for treatment, including two with suspected broken Jeez. noses, one with a broken thumb and the others for concussions. Fucking hell, I really did follow the wrong one. So what we what we actually saw, and I know there's been a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about police overreach in, in Victoria and in, in in the, in the Melbourne rally yesterday, the, what the protesters did, this front line of angry young men did yeah. was p- push their way through a police line. You've got to see it in that context. Once they did that, and and then they did actually, that's, that what emerged through that police line actually did go and approach another group of police officers. Yeah. Was, <clears throat> and it was like, there's just no way you were going to be allowed to get away with this. All bets are off at that point. Yeah, so... And um, this is the funny thing when I've seen lefties do that. So at Sydney University, they've got all these protests, all these lefty kids who are like fucking 18, 19, and they're getting their first taste of political activism. And one great moment was when a politician, I think it was like um, Dutton or something like that, and they had this block against the door and one kid got past the secos. They were pushing, 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 and one kid got past and he got in there and you could see on film, he looks around and he's just fucking shit scared because he was never meant to get through <laughs> and he right. ran back out he ran back out in his own accord because you're yeah. never meant to get past the line. Not to you're, meet, meant- you're not supposed to meet the objective. It's a tussle. You, well, you just tussle. Was, yeah, well, the, it's a know, show. The group in Melbourne yesterday, um, I, I'd estimate that hardcore in about three, 400 angry young men, as Patton said, drove straight through a police line, basically just pushing police over as yeah. they went through and, nah. and a number of them being sort of stampeded. Do you get a holiday and for And then that? sort of turned on another group and that's when, you know, it was basically all bets were off from that point, and that's when we start started seeing the pepper guns, Joe. That's what we did with the non-lethal bang, bang, bang. devices. Yeah, yeah and I think that were described rather colourfully uh, and ex- you know sort of <laughs> in an exaggerated way uh, as rubber bullets, which are far more lethal, of course, or potentially lethal. Uh, and these are non-lethal devices. Beanbags. A long, yeah, pepper spray for almost fired out of cannons. <laughs> basically, <laughs> they got some kit. 
the Vic, Vic Pole and they used it on yeah, this group. It, eh? The thing about this was that all the, unlike the Sydney protest where, you know, the leaders, the influencers squibbed it, in Melbourne they all turned up, all the, yeah. all the you know, the usual yeah, suspect. Harvey yep. Yemeni was there with the... Yep. With the camera and his T-shirt. Yep, yep. His little uh, press pass that he's laminated at Office Works. <laughs> yeah, all the cool kids. Monica Smith was there. I did see Monica yep. Smith, and she wore a mask. She did wear a mask. She wore a mask. God How responsible! Her. And she was running. She, she was, was running. She was, was running away. Yeah, uh, which is probably a wise move considering everything. I mean, really. But it was a bit funny because when you look at the footage again, everyone around her, with, with you know, she's obviously with a group of two or three people. They're running. They're running yeah. away, running yeah. away from police. But everyone else around them are just looking at it and going, where are you guys going? Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Just, yeah. Aren't we fighting with the police or something? Monica was running away. Yeah, so all the, all their urges and influences for the, for, for the love of freedom. Yeah. They, uh, they all... They all turned up, and in New South Wales, they they squibbed it. Yeah, yeah, they fucking did in a big way. <laughs> yeah, so Melbourne re-established itself as the pilled capital of Australia. Sure we, did, sure did. <laughs> well done, Melbourne. You know, Sydney Sydney loomed there for a while, but uh, due basically to some very good police work, it must be said, from New South Wales police, uh, preventive police work. So didn't have confrontations, didn't have big confrontations. Yeah. They were ready uh, for it, but it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, they got all the kit too. They <laughs> they got some. <laughs> Toys they're, they're itching to use, you know. They've tried them out in the tra- training track, but they re- really would like oh, to yeah. use them in real life. So, but that, it didn't come to that. So, you'd have to say overall, uh, New South Wales police won the day. I'd say so. Look, there'll be more protests, Joel. It's just we we, we know this, and yeah. what I have to ask is it all just a sideshow? I mean, an amusing one at times, and a shocking and horrifying one at times. Australia is headed towards an experiment of letting COVID rip without high vaccination numbers. Yeah, and even and, and and when we get to that point of opening up with all that sort of flurry of infections, and, and I it sort of came across some numbers just on social media. I can't speak for their authenticity, but they were New South Wales health officials sort of chatting amongst themselves on Twitter, and probably that a journalist was having a look at their chat. Yes, but they were saying, and look, it may well be a little bit of alarmism, but they were saying by the end of August they're expecting a thousand cases per day. Bloody close, eight thirty in today. New South Wales. They're not. They're not far away from that now. Not far at all. And they went on to say there'll be 5,000 new cases a day by the end of September. Yeah. Now, you yeah. get to that figure, that's 5,000 cases. That, that you know, Many of those can be asymptomatic, of course. But totally. you get to that sort of figure, then you know that there's going to be a percentage of people hospitalised, particularly with low vaccination rates, yeah. and, and, and headed off to ICU. And so there's going to be immense pressure placed on our health system, whether that 5,000 new cases a day is realised or it goes. If we can't get it down from that thousand a day, that's going to happen anyway. Yeah. yeah. Eventually, they stop publishing the uh, locations with close contacts because there's yeah, too many of them. Just too it's many. Just too many of them. Just too many. Just the too contact many traces stop being relevant, and it's just basically stay home or good luck. So, depending on your outlook, we've had a, a really terribly slow vaccine rollout. I mean, that's, that's rollout, indisputable. Now, you, you know, I've, I've spoken to conservatives who say, oh, "Well, you know, they were they were out of luck. You know, who who was to know what was going to happen with AstraZeneca? Um, you know, all this sort of stuff." But clearly. There's 
a failure to risk manage this exercise uh, properly. And so we are going into, certainly in New South Wales and certainly Greater Sydney, is going into live with COVID stage Absolutely. with very low rates of vaccination. So we're we like Florida, but we're pushed into this, not essentially by, I guess, you know, you could say DeSantis' sort of ignorance and stupidity, but this is just basically through to political failure. Firstly, that vaccine supply, the uh, and then the arguable case that, that Berejiklian didn't like down harder earlier. Yeah. Um, but I think what we're, what we're dealing with is is essentially lockdowns just not working yeah. in a sort of Delta variant outbreak. And lockdowns do work if people abide by the fucking rules. Well, there's, there's, people there's, aren't. there's that. People but it's are just, not doing it's, it. Well, what we've seen from the Berejiklian government is just a confusing set of rules mm. that change almost every 24 hours. Yeah. People... I mean, if you wanted to find what the definition of the exercise was, it's not available. Yeah. We've got in regional Australia, everyone required to wear a mask outdoors now. What's all yeah. that about? It's ridiculous. I mean, in terms ridiculous. of... In terms of low population areas, being out in the, being out in the fresh air is the kind of safest place to be in terms yeah. of uh, COVID stuff. So I mean, there are just these confusing, illogical kind of measures that have that have been brought in in, in Sydney, you know, sort of piled up on top of one another. Where I sort of defy anyone, up to and including the premier and senior health officials, to to actually be able to explain them. Yeah. Um, so we so in the middle of this chaos with a low vaccination rate. We are essentially living with COVID now. We have essentially let it rip. It's getting close. We still it's, can't get a it, schooner at the pub, though, and that's when we let it rip. Once we go back to the pub. Yeah. Oh, and, absolutely. And yeah, that's I don't, when we let yeah, it rip. No, and 70% right, percent, apparently. And 70% couldn't come fucking sooner for me. 70%. I, mean, I just, I mean, I'm vaccinated. I'm, I'm bored. Yeah, like, I'm just, fine. I'm, just so am I. Let it happen. You know, I'm going to get COVID and I'm barely going to notice. I'll be very vigilant because I know that I'm contagious and I will get tested and I'll isolate if it happens, if slash when it happens. But I will get COVID and as someone with a double shot of Pfizer in me, I'm going to have mild symptoms. It's going to be an excuse for a few days off to watch telly and that's going to be that. And that's a really, that raises a really big point. What do we as vaccinated people, what, what moral uh, element is there with the unvaccinated? And we've got a lot of people in New South Wales who want to be vaccinated but aren't vaccinated at the moment, so we need to certainly consider that. But even when we get to our friends in the anti-vaxxer movement, you know, we sort of we do have a moral requirement that if we have we believe that we that we that we we have COVID infectious, then we should stay away from these people. Yeah, as much as I don't give a fuck about them as a result of their poisonous discourse and the way they have dragged our society through absolute fucking mud over the past year, I still, despite everything, do not wish death upon them. A little bit. I kind of do, but not a lot. Look, I'd probably qualify that by saying the influencers, the scumbags, you know, the the the, 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 the Kennedy Juniors, the Ugh. the McCullers, these are the big trees, the, these scumbags. I mean, I really wouldn't have a problem if they're not around in eight months' time. Not for a time. fucking second, but they but can afford to live through God knows what. Yeah, just because you swallow the pill. You know, it's you know you you still deserve you still deserve to be looked after in the health and going people you yeah, do see people it. seeing this yeah you know, because these people are victims a lot of anti-vaxxers are victims victims oh. of a coordinated misinformation campaign made by slick political operatives who have done their job well and to fall for this trap is not ridiculous. You do hear people say this, you know, that why should they why should the unvaccinated 
have extended to the public health system. I mean, that's, that's crazy, crazy talk. You can't have yeah. that. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. Just deny people health care. My fucking mum's an anti-vaxxer and she's going to get COVID and she's possibly going to die from it. Mm. And there's nothing I can do about it. I do like the idea that maybe there's a ventilator for her because I don't want her to die. I mean, mm. you know, we're not on great terms, fair, but I don't want her to die from COVID. Maybe she could learn a fucking lesson from a strong fever. But like, you know, I don't have mm. bloodlust. Yeah, you, you even have to political bloodlust. You, you even have to wonder whether they're going to learn a lesson from it. I mean, some people have. Some some of them are masters. Yeah, as, as their famous last word sequel will tell you, some of them well, gone all the way to the grave completely unrepentant. It could start becoming a very personal fucking last, famous last words segment when, uh, when listener stories start coming in of people they know with famous last words. That's when I, it starts hitting close to the bone, when we let her rip. Well... I know that I just know that I appreciate that it has to happen. It, it really does have to happen. We can't have these lockdown scenarios anymore. No, we, we can't. can't have great sections of Sydney under police power. December's the fucking maximum, dude. I mean, how can we keep going after this? I'm not a libertarian. I'm not like a small business advocate like Carly Soda. <laughs> But I, I, I know there's a limit, and there is a limit. But when we do it, I, I just don't think we're going to be properly prepared, and I think we're going to have a really tough time of it. My honest view is that we're going to have a very, very tough six months in this country yeah. um, leading up to the next federal election. We talked about all of that. Uh, the real problems that we've got in this country have driven two very serious government failures, and, and, and the slow rollout of the vaccine has been one. If you look at the government's own figures, we should be at 65, fully vaxxed now. Yeah, yeah. We should be. And the thing that's been really pissing me off here is like basically if you look at the way that Australia's handled it and New Zealand as well, we've managed to have zero cases in the community for so long. And now yep. Delta's here and blah, blah, blah. Mm. We're having all these problems. So we've entered another lockdown and we're trying to manage it and it's uncharted territory for us and we're seeing what we can do. It looks like Delta's going to outsmart our, you know, sort of general civil procedure, which is contact tracing, yep. lockdowns, and generally phasing out the, the virus from community. It's not really working. We're looking at the idea of living with a virus. The thing that fucking shits me is that cunts from America keep on talking about how we're a fucking dictatorship. You know what? Piss off. Guess who got to go to the football and didn't have a spicy cough last year? (laughs) Fucking we did, you dickheads. And uh, although we did have to figure out how we could make football seem okay with fake audience noises when we had empty stadiums we eventually had full stadiums the mcg was at capacity things were fucking normal and yeah okay things have changed but we're not a fucking fascist dictatorship we're a country trying to figure out a situation very different to yours that's what shits me that's yes. not the fuck they're talking yes. about. Look, if you're listening to Joe Rogan, you're doing yourself a grave disservice. Yeah, bring on that North Korean defector who's this fucking like right-wing grifter talking <laughs> shit about Australia like as if she knows anything about our situation. Look, I, like the I fact couldn't that find a place on a map for a start. Fucking and, a. And, yeah, and it's I, a total and fucking I, joke. Yeah, and I think kangaroos bounce down the middle I of I saw Georgia. recycled bullshit footage from the weekend's protest where the roadblocks were mm. and what it was, according to... American media was a vaccine checkpoint where only vaccinated people could get through the roadblock. Now, this is what we're dealing with here. These fucking liars are trying to repurpose our situation for their own fucking narrative. This is the post-truth era we live in, and this is what really fucking shits me off. Honestly, when it comes down to this... Of all the challenges I'm seeing politically, all the local anti-vaxxers, all the anti-lockdowners, the next one that I want to fuck off are the fucking Americans. You can fuck off. 
fuck off out of our business, fuck off out of our country. You do it to other people. You tell everyone to fuck off out of your affairs when they try and meddle in yours, the Russians, the Chinese, the whoever. You can fuck off out of ours. Yes, they can fuck off. They can fuck off over there. And then when they get there, fuck off all the way over there. Not there, but there. And then fuck off again until they're out of sight. Out of sight, out of mind, so we can concentrate on what really matters. What sort of week Pete Evans has had. Has it been huge? Well, we're about to find out because it's time for the week in Pete Evans. It has been a huge week in Pete Evans. Huge. Not just a big week, but a big month for poor old pandemic Pete. I mean... First, he had to flog off his Evolve Health Lab at below cost. Now, the project he slapped his name across, Nightcap Village, is Uh-oh. once again turning to shit. It seemed like such a good idea, Joe. Oh, I can't believe this. It's got a do-no-harm ethos. What a fucking great philosophy. <laughs> so regular listeners will know of the Nightcap Project. I rant on about it now and then in great fear of legal repercussions. It's a huge block of land near Yukai and the Northern Rivers, Pete's stomping ground, of course, where a $39 million plan for nearly 400 dwellers plots hinges on DA approval from the Tweed Shire Council. Actually, they, they, they bumped it up and we'll talk about that later. So the project has been called a mega commune with which Pete Evans has a long-term commercial partnership mm. and it has failed yet another regulatory hurdle after oh. being knocked back by the Northern Regional Planning Panel. And this is the thing. They increased the value of the project to get to the Northern Regional Planning Panel because they'd been knocked back by the council. But if they were worth a certain amount of money, they go up to the regional planning panel, they still failed. And this was due to concerns about bushfires, bad, sewerage, smelly, water, drinkable, and development density. And, of course, environmental factors. Mm. Some of these environmental factors are the fact that they were going to clear 106 hectares of native vegetation, which then apparently impacts a further 220 hectares of native flora and fauna. Now, yeah. that doesn't seem very environmentally friendly to it's me. Not, it's not really. Yeah, it just doesn't really make any sense. So, like, the community claims, and this is one of their sales pitches, that they're getting back to the tribal wisdom of living in harmony with Mother Nature, as well as the fundamental law of doing no harm. After they've cut off one of her legs, you know. Yeah. Yeah, fucking A, exactly. I mean, like, they've got this extensive land clearing, which is clearly doing harm to the fucking animals there. This includes 33 protected threatened fauna species and seven flora species. Like, what were they fucking thinking? How is this in any way, shape, or form a hippie commune? These guys may as well be fucking Rose Bay apartment developers. So Pete's long-term commercial partnership with Nightclap is hilariously described as, quote, a multi-layered arrangement with Peter and his brand. His brand. And further updates mm. will be released when appropriate to the public via his enormous social media appeal with millions of followers on various social media platforms. Well, it's just he's only got one left, hasn't he? He does. I don't know if anyone's <laughs> got the heart telegram. to tell Adrian Brennick and Mick McMurtry that Pete's enormous social media appeal has taken a little bit of a hammering since a he posted bit. a neo-Nazi mm. meme. I mean, you've got to wonder what Pete is bringing to the table now that his social media following is now just a few broke wingnuts on Telegram that whinge <laughs> about the cost of his evolved sanctuary. I mean... <laughs> Alongside the residential dwellings, there was a plan to build shops, a sacred geometry pub. Pete Pete would have been all over that. He'd be onto the sacred geometry, wouldn't he? Totally. I mean, look, if you could do psychedelics at a pub, that would be fucking amazing. And there's all these like cool patterns on the wall and shit. You're like, whoa, this is the best pub ever. And healing centers, not hospitals, (laughs) not, not, 
not not GP clinics, just healing centres. So, you know, oh. chuck a hot rock on it and come back to me in two days. So <laughs> I just I can't see what could possibly go wrong. So plots of land are for sale still at a steal of only $299,000. DA mm. pending, of course. But that don't worry, mate. It's it's coming. It's coming. You know, look, it's so, minor setback. But but, but there's, there's no DA. No, 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 mate. No, it's coming. No, it's, it's coming. Oh, no, it's in the mail, mate. Oh, yeah, no, well. no. Oh, yeah. No, no. To give it a couple of No, mate, we've got another plan. No, no, no. We've got to, uh, we're going to appeal to the Supreme Court of Justice. It's a, it's a thing just down the road. Don't worry about it. And look, even for $299,000, you still have to build your own house. I mean, this is the thing. Like, Lock up your own yurt. Yeah. What happened to being a hippie with no money? Being a hippie just isn't cheap these days. And I'll tell you what, one thing that says you can't afford this is when Pete Evans is involved. <laughs> you have been listening to the Conditional Release Program with your host, Jack the Insider, Joel Hill. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you've enjoyed our bullshit, throw us a five-star review on your podcast app. Jack can be found on Twitter on at Jack the Insider and Joel on at Crunchy Moses with AK. We've set up a Facebook page. You can find it fairly easily. We also did a shitposting group where you can put up various links and stuff. It's pretty interesting. We might even use it on the show. Now, promoting a podcast is easier said than done. We plead every week for you to share the episodes, and sometimes you do, and we love seeing it. Sometimes you, you don't see it. We still appreciate it through the, yes. you know, through the air. We, we feel the vibes, but we see mm. the numbers are going up. We appreciate your work. Feeling some right now. And finally, <laughs> all feedback, tips, and death threats should be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, even if you're pointing a pepper gun at us, your finger twitching on the trigger while we shout, Freedom! Yeah, shoot me again, bitch. Go ahead, do. Oh, ow, ow, ow. Oh, oh, do it ow. again, mate. Do it oh, again, mate. Oh, ow. And as a side note, we are going to have a trivia night on the 1st of September. It is the day after Karen Brewer Day. That's how you can remember. So, yeah, yeah. there'll be, you know, the activities. There will be prizes and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It'll be over Zoom. Check the Facebook page for the event details, and we'll see you then. Thanks, listeners. See you next time. See you soon.